Father. Amen. And all the people said, Amen. Praise God. Honey, would you bring me more water? Thank you, thank you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, amen? Hmm. How many of you are enjoying this uh, new series on the anointing? A new anointing. God has given us a new anointing. I talked about the importance of having a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. You know, it was interesting, but there was actually a comment on Facebook this week that says, why, when every believer has the Holy Spirit on the inside of them? And I don't normally enter into a back and forth debate with people over things like that. Uh, I think my stance on that is, is that we are all to study, our, study to show ourselves approved, workmen rightly dividing the word of truth, amen? And what I would say is, is on the day of Pentecost, did the disciples get filled with the Holy Spirit? Let me ask that question. On the day of Pentecost, just give me an amen if that's true. On the day of Pentecost, did the disciples all get filled with the Holy Spirit? And in this series, I actually also read to you, that was Acts 2, and then I read to you from Acts 4. Do you know that, that many of the same disciples were gathered together again in unity, and do you know what happened? They got filled with the Holy Spirit again. So, so all I will say to you is, is that go to the Word of God and read the Word of God, study the Word of God, and you'll find out God's plan, what it is to walk after the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, that we aren't to be spilled, filled with the Spirit. Man, I got a tongue twist going on. Filled with the Spirit once, but we are to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I would submit this to you, that while the Holy Spirit may reside on the inside of every believer, we need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit because there are those who don't believe. Amen? In other words, if we're filled, we should be pouring out into their lives. Right? And what ends up happening is, is that, that we keep going back to the Lord because going out uh, into all the world, preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, making disciples, pouring into them, how many of you know that there's labor to that? The Bible says, Jesus said this, that the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers. And so there's a labor to sharing the gospel while we don't earn salvation there is a labor to sharing salvation with other people we preach the gospel we live the gospel out uh, in our community we live the gospel out in our families we live the gospel out in our schools we live the gospel out uh, in our government any place that we represent that that we should live the gospel out in all that we do so there is a pouring out of our lives into the lives of those around us and we should be continually filled. Now Acts 2, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And they began to speak with other tongues and we see a supernatural manifestation that takes place there. And let me say this, that it's no less a supernatural manifestation in Acts 4 where they're filled with the Spirit again and the Bible says, and they went forth preaching the word of God with boldness. Say boldness. We're not to be timid. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind that we're not supposed to be timid about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so I want to talk today a little bit more about a new anointing, and I want to emphasize how important it is, if you will, uh, how to activate the anointing of God in your life. It is important to understand how to activate the anointing of God in your lives. When Jesus walked the earth, his anointing was evident by the miracles that he performed. There was no disease that he didn't drive out, no demon that he didn't drive out. There was no uh, depression, no anxiety that when Jesus came into uh, that environment, that that environment didn't change. Remember when I talked about that the anointing changes the atmosphere. I talked about the makeup of the anointing oil, that it had... The, the importance of it being fresh and there were ingredients to the anointing oil that brought a fragrance. There should be a fragrance on your life. The anointing on your life should bring a different fragrance into your atmosphere. It should change everything around you. People should notice that about your life. Can you say amen? I want to share a story with you today from Mark chapter 2 and it's verse 1 through 12. 
And this is a story about, uh, don't put that up here yet. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. They'll start reading it before I give a little bit of overview. (laughs) Uh, 2, 1 through 12. This is a story of a paralytic. A paralytic that has four friends. Four friends that see the importance of taking care of their friend and getting that friend to Jesus. And you're going to see some of the details that fall uh, within the context of their uh, seeing this moment that they have to get their friend to Jesus. Now I want to say that this paralytic without those four friends would never have found himself in the presence of Jesus. Not much different than than we see our society today and those that are paralyzed by sin and that will not find themselves in the presence of Jesus save some friends in their life who may have heard about Jesus. And because they've heard about Jesus, they want to help get their friend to Jesus because they know that the anointing on Jesus' life will break the yoke and it will lift the burden of their life. How many of you know that a person that's paralyzed has got a whole lot of burden and is yoked to something that they have no control over? I want to tell you that all of us at one point were dead in our trespasses and sins and it was because someone was faithful who had been filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit to be bold enough to share the gospel with us to get us to Jesus. Because here's the thing, no man comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him, and no one can come to the Father unless it's through the Son. And so when we understand that, the preaching of the gospel, the sharing of the gospel, putting words to what we believe, putting action to what we believe, putting effort to what we believe, is the only way that people might have hope in their life to come into the presence of Jesus and their life be changed forever. Can you say amen? So just... With that in mind, I want to read this passage to you. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard, say it was heard, that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Say preached. Say the word. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they, uh, when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived, say perceived, in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out of the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God. Say glorified God. We never saw anything like this. Now I just want to ask you a question. Have you ever seen anything like that? Have you ever seen a bona fide, absolutely, mind-blowing, life-transforming miracle happened before your very eyes. Let me say, uh, I have numerous times. I know some of you have. Some of you have shared stories with me. I had a meeting with some of the young adults the other day, and, and we were talking, and I asked them, do you want, do you want to uh, live a Christian life that resembles the Bible and what it teaches about miracles and, and the power of God, or one without it? Let me ask you that question. Do you want to live the Christian life with the power of God or do you want to live one without the power of God? 
How many of you would say the power of God? All of us want to, to live a Christian life that has the power of God. And let me say this, that's the Christian life. And then there's this other thing called religion. Religion is an enemy of that personal relationship with Christ Jesus. Now, the book of James, before you go too far and say, well, that's heresy, pastor. Let me say, the book of James, pure and undefiled religion is, widow, or is a ministry to the widows and orphans. So, so there, is a, a religion, there are religious acts that we can do that can be righteous, if you will, or they can be right towards people. But I want you to know that God sent his son not for you to have religion, but for you to have a personal relationship with him that, that is in power, that is in demonstration and power that would transform your life. I want you to know, I, I grew up going to church. I heard messages. I even read the Bible sometimes. I would, I would sit and just think to myself, this makes no sense to me. Anybody ever been there? Give me an amen if you've been there before. And I think this doesn't make sense to me. But you know, the moment that the Holy Spirit gets a hold of my heart, the power of the Holy Spirit, he begins to lead me. The anointing of the Holy Spirit begins to break the yoke off my life and lift the burden and lead me to Christ. All of a sudden, because I come to Christ, I end up with my Heavenly Father. I end up in that relationship with Abba Father. Say, Daddy. I end up with a personal relationship, something that is extremely meaningful, something that is extremely authentic in my life it's, it's not a religious act. It's not out of duty, but it all of a sudden is out of desire that I want to read the word. It's out of desire that I want to be in relationship with God, not because I have to, not because I'm trying to escape hell. Come on, somebody. Right? We call that the fire insurance. If I get baptized in water, all I got to do is, is do that, and then I, and I bought the, you know, get out of hell, you know, you know the uh, monopoly free, get out of jail free card it's kind of like the get out of hell free card and I want you to know that God didn't save you just to get you out of hell God saved you so that you can have a relationship with him and walk in the power and authority of his kingdom can you say amen let me get a drink of water don't want to be too raspy now I want you to picture this this uh if you will a cot you got four friends. Anybody ever seen like, you know, a, uh, um, what do you call that? A uh, mm, stretcher, right? A stretcher. You ever watch that where two guys are on a soccer field and they're trying to pick it up and one guy's picking it up and he's, you know, he's pulling the guy's head kind of up into his butt and knocking it back down and the guy keeps falling. You ever see that video that's out there? It's pretty funny because he does it about three or four times and, and the guy that's on the cot finally, he's just like, dude, I'll limp off the field before I, Right? Here's what I would say. Those cots, man, they work perfect if you got one on each corner, right? You got to think about it. They're taking this paralytic to Jesus, and you got one per corner of the cot, and, and they're taking him to see Jesus. There's no room for him to get in to see Jesus, to be in the presence of Jesus. But these guys don't give up, do they? I want you to know that they get him up on the roof, and they're digging, they're tearing through the roof. Now, how many of you have such an anointing on your life that people, you, that people crowd into your homes. Mine's not that way either. I'll just say this to you, though. If it was and there was that kind of crowd gathering around for God to work in their lives, would I be okay with them tearing my roof off? Now, some scholars, some scholars actually say that was Jesus' residence. And you got to understand, like, they took, these were stick, or, you know, if you will, uh, branches and sticks and stuff like that, and there's mud, and the way that was done back then, you had to figure dust and dirt has fallen into this place while they're digging through. This whole time, particles, all this stuff coming into the house, and they're sitting down there, and Jesus is teaching them. That's, that's what it says, that he began to teach them from the word, correct? He's teaching them, and all this stuff, and he knows that somebody's breaking through the roof, Right? You got to think about these guys' expectation for their friend, that if I can just get my friend in front of Jesus, he'll be healed. And such expectation that they didn't just pack up and head back on home when there was such a crowd that they couldn't get in. They looked for another way, amen? 
And they tore through that house and they lowered this man, as we read, down into the presence of Jesus. I want to share with you today four steps to activating the anointing. Four steps to activating the anointing. Number one, we activate the anointing by hearing the word of God. We activate the anointing by hearing the word of God. We can read it, say Logos. Logos. Come on, say that with me, Logos. It's the written word of God. Say Rhema. It's the spoken word of God. See, it's written in front of you, holy men of God, as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, penned the scripture or, 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 or wrote the scriptures. And we read those holy scriptures, but as we read those holy scriptures and invite the Holy Spirit to come, like he did on Pentecost, to continually have the Spirit of God leading us and guiding us, as the Bible says, into all truth. See, the Spirit and the Word agree. The letter killeth, but the Spirit brings life. See, the law is the schoolmaster that brings us to Christ, is what the Bible says. That I read the law and I, man, I just don't measure up. But the Spirit of God inspires the Word to me and what I understand, if I can get, if I can just get in the presence of Christ, what will happen is, is that old yoke, you know, that old covenant will break off, Right? And the burden of that old covenant will lift as I come into the new covenant of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Amen. Romans 10, 17 says it this way. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That I need a rhema. God, speak to me by your word. I can read it. I can read it on paper. I can read it in my app. But God, if you don't speak it into my spirit, if you don't, if you don't quicken it, to my spirit, it'll never be alive to me. See, verse 1 and 2 says, and again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Say, who wants Jesus in the house? Right? I want him in my house. Now, here, 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 let's do it this way. Do this for me. Just kind of pat yourself right here. Right? This is, this is where the spirit dwells, the innermost seat of the man right? Spirit, soul, body. Your spirit is your innermost seat. You are the house of the Lord. He's chosen to dwell on the inside of you. And when you have Jesus in the house, there's an anointing. Come on, somebody in the house. I heard he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there were no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Let me say this. He preached the word. See, the scriptures were written. Jesus, when he would speak, he would speak from the scripture. He would, he would teach from the law and the prophets. And as he would expound on the scriptures, what he would do is he, he would help them to understand what it meant. Think about it. The day he stood up in the, in the, in the synagogue and he began to read about the anointing, that, that he was the anointed one, that he was the Messiah, that as he read that and he spoke those things, they all kind of sat quietly in awe. And he said, today this has been fulfilled in your presence. Many times what Jesus was doing is he was teaching them something that the Bible, that if you will, uh, the law and the prophets, the Old Testament spoke of concerning the Messiah, see, that God would send his son, his son would die. Matter of fact, he would say to them, he would say to them, tear this temple down and I'll raise it up in three days. And they're calling him a blasphemer because he's talking about tearing the temple of Solomon down and saying that I am the temple. And I will dwell in you and you as living stones, one set upon another, would become a dwelling place for me in spirit. That's what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, see? Recognizing that we're a house. And that all of a sudden, when the word of God is quickened to us, what he was doing is he was, he was raming the Logos to them. Rhema. When, when the written word is speaking the word, you've got both the Logos and the Rhema in your presence. Now, maybe you don't understand what I'm saying today. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among men. That when you see it for that, 
when you understand when you're reading the Logos, you're spending time with Jesus, the written word. And when you're, when you're calling upon the Holy Spirit to quicken those scriptures to you, to make them a rhema, it's Jesus, come on, preaching the word to you just like he was in that room that day. See, hearing the word has an ever-increasing effect on our faith. When we hear it, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The second thing we need to activate the anointing is by hanging on to hope. We activate the anointing by hanging on to hope. These guys just didn't pack it up when they couldn't get in. They're going to find a way in. As a matter of fact, one of those worship songs we had, uh, Jay, are you here? Where are you at? Give me an amen. Where's he at? He's not in the room. <laughs> uh, Ashley, um, where it said, it, it had a phrase in there about breaking through. Do you remember that? Think on that for a second and then shout at me when you got it. I struggle to remember I got to be in the music and see it up on the screen sometimes. What's that? Break through. It said break through the stronghold, I believe. It's break through. I know it was break through because it hit me that that was in that song today, and that is right here. It's what these guys did is they, they broke through the barrier. It stood between their friend's miracle and Jesus, the miracle maker. The miracle giver, amen? The anointed one. We activate the anointing by hanging on to hope. Listen to this out of Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. These guys were hoping that their friend would get healed, right? They hadn't seen it yet, but they were hoping for it, amen? And they weren't going to give up. By the way, that's what hope is. I'm not going to give up. I have hope that if I can just get in the presence of Jesus, he'll do a miracle. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith has to have hope or it cannot operate. It can't, faith can't be active without hope. Hope keeps you hanging in there, amen? Listen again to this. Verse uh, 3 through 4. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Now I want to tell you, you got to think about it. All four of them are, are tearing through the roof. They're lowering their friend. I just got to say, if one of them would have let go, you got to think, right? You figure all four of them are holding the, the cot. And they're digging through the roof, right? If any one of them would have let go of a corner, what would we have? What would we have? We'd have had a rolling paralytic. It rolled right off that roof. Come on. Say intercession. If you don't know what it means, it means to go between. Intercession is when we say, I am going to stand between for the sake of somebody else. I'm going to intercede. And I want to tell you that these guys were putting the effort in concerning intercession for their friend to get him to Jesus. They weren't going to give up. They weren't going to quit because they had heard that Jesus was back in Capernaum. And before they heard that Jesus was back in Capernaum, they heard that Jesus was going about healing all who were oppressed by the devil and all manner of sickness. And faith rose in their hearts, see, because they had hope for their friend. That this Jesus who is healing all these other people can heal our friend if we can just get him in their presence, in his presence. So they did everything that they could possibly do. And I want to say this, that, that most of us hold on for a breakthrough, but oftentimes we don't have someone that's interceding on our behalf. I want to say that some of the greatest breakthroughs in my life 
has come as the result of someone else interceding, praying on my behalf, speaking words of encouragement to me. It's kept me hanging, come on, on the hope that something could change. And because of that encouragement, because of their intercession to encourage me, and so let's say it this way, reaching to me, being between God and myself, reaching back with intercession that is encouragement for me to hang in there and have hope. And reaching forward to God with faith. Now understand this. That passage says, when Jesus saw there, say there, plural. When Jesus saw their faith. When Jesus saw their faith. See, hanging on the hope gives us the will to press through obstacles. Hanging on the hope gives us the will. That's really what it is. It, it, it's like we have this supernatural will to just keep going, even though everybody else would tell us to stop. What was it that caused Job to hang on to God, having lost his children, having lost you know, his fields that burn up, having lost his, his barns, if you will, that that whirlwinds came through and tore him out, and that was part of what ripped the houses off the face of the earth when his kids died, but caused him to hang on to hope when he was struck with boils on his body. What caused him to hang on to hope, watch this, when he didn't have anybody else interceding for him, even down to his wife saying, why don't you just curse God and die? I want to say what caused Job to hang in there was what he had seen God do before. See, if you've, if you've seen God work before, it'll give you a, a root of hope that nothing else will ever provide for you. I could never speak something to you. I could never say anything to you that would cause you to hang on to hope in the worst situation, like having a moment with God in your life prior to that situation will cause you to hang on to hope. Amen? That these guys <laughs> hanging on to hope, Right? Gave them, if you will, it gave them the will to press through the obstacle that was in front of them. They couldn't get through the crowd. There's no crowd on the roof. Nobody could hear Jesus up there, but they were going to make a hole so their friend could get in front of Jesus. And they didn't give up. They pressed in. Amen? Number three, the third thing that we need, how we activate uh, the anointing. We activate the anointing by expressing our faith. We activate the anointing by expressing faith. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and spirit of joints and marrow, discerning and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. There's nothing that can come close to when you pick up the word of God and you begin to read and how it will speak back. James, the book of James says this, that the word of God is like a mirror. That we look into it and we behold what manner of man or woman we are. It reflects back to us like this is, you know, hey, I'm, let me say this this way. I'm living for God here. You know, I'm loving my wife. I love my kids. And, right? But then all of a sudden we get to reading. And it's like, you know, do I forgive my enemies? I'll forgive my friends, but do I forgive my enemies? Come on, somebody. Well, I don't need to forgive my enemies. I mean... We know we're cross with one another, so why would I ever need to forgive them? Because the Bible says so. And when you look into the Word of God, it reflects back those areas of your life that you know that you're living out or you're not. Now, you can read it, and let me say, when you read it by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit speaking into you, under the anointing of the Spirit, when you read the Word, it will always invite you to go further and calls you to recognize that it's God's power that helps you to do that. Or you'll read it and you'll walk away feeling condemned. You know, there are people today that will hear my message and some will walk away feeling somewhat condemned and some will walk away saying, man, I feel convicted. I need to make that change in my life. God, help me with that. Y'all hearing me here? So, so what is that? It's, this, it's, it's as the word of God is proclaimed, what happens is, is it reflects to us, where am I at? It discerns the thoughts and intents of our heart. And it, in a sense, whispers in our ear. 
here's where you're at. And you know you're there. And there's hope if you'll just exercise, come on, a little bit of faith in God. Trust God that he is for you. He's not against you no matter where you're at in your walk with him. Can you say amen? Have hope and let faith rise in your heart. Express that faith towards God. Listen to this. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Now, interesting enough, he's paralyzed. So why does Jesus say your sins are forgiven you? Well, he's paralyzed because of his sins. You know, it's not that whole, but you got to understand that all the corruption of this world, right? Sickness, disease, you know, uh, hate, anger, malice, strife, division, envy, lust, all manner of perversion, immorality. You got to understand that all of that stuff is tied back to original sin. It's tied back to the fact that mankind chose to go, say Adam, <laughs> our big brother, or you could say father, right, in a sense of, of mankind, right? Uh, so, so he chooses, even, even Adam, in the garden, Eve's deceived, Adam rebels. See, Eve's deceived, but Adam open right rebels because the woman eats but then offers it to the man. And the man should have said, uh, no, God said not to eat from that. He'd have been a good covering to his wife if he'd have done that. Instead, he just bites right on into the fruit himself. And on that day, they died and subjected every one of us to the futility. The futility of sin, if you will. That sin, now, we are born into sin, and now we're born to die. But the second Adam, Christ, comes, what to do? To return hope to mankind that we now have a choice and we can choose to eat. Come on, he's the tree of life. And we can choose to eat of him. And what happens is we come back to life. We're born again. But we're born again to live under the anointed, anointing of the anointed one. Amen. See, expressing faith, faith, gosh, expressing faith allows the anointing to flow and miracles to occur. See, their hope calls them to break through. Their hope calls them to press in, not pull back. And because they did that, they get their friend down to Jesus. It, it is because of faith that Jesus, he recognized, he saw their faith. And at that moment, he says, your sins are forgiven you. Basically, let's do it this way. Jesus, by saying your sins are forgiven you, all, anything that might have been going on in that guy's life, right? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He's a new creation. Come on. In that moment, Jesus is saying, I forgive your sins. The same as when he said he forgives our sins. Understand that when he died on the cross, salvation, say salvation. See, salvation includes eternal life. But salvation also includes Zoe life. It includes life right now as a believer. Salvation includes healing. Salvation includes freedom, deliverance. Salvation includes um, peace of mind, freedom from anxiety, freedom from depression. Salvation is all-inclusive for you to have, as Jesus said, an abundant life. He promised you an abundant life. So to recognize salvation for what it is, when Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you, he just gave the all-encompassing. You're not just healed from being paralyzed. You're healed from every malady that you may have faced in your life or will ever face again if you'll simply believe, right? So number four, we activate the anointing by listening to Jesus, not critics. We activate the anointing by listening to Jesus not critics. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this, for we walk by faith, not by sight, living our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. Now, I want to say something. It, uh, I've been in situations where I've heard people talk, well, I can't, God would, wouldn't do that, or God wouldn't do this. And I got to tell you something, when somebody starts to criticize what God's word actually promises in my life, that's not somebody I want to listen to. When someone starts, wants to nitpick something that God has spoken to, spoken to me to do that aligns with his word, i got to tell you something. That's a voice that I don't need to hear. Let me, let me say this to you. Um, there are many voices, as the Bible says, in the world, and none of them without significance. 
And so what you have to do is make sure, because all of us, we have angels assigned to us, amen? Right? They're all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who are heirs of salvation. So we have ministering spirits, and they're speaking. What are they doing? They're carrying out what, what the Word of God says on our behalf, that the promises of God that are yes and amen, they're carrying out that on our behalf, protecting us, guarding us. But we also have demons that can be assigned to us, and guess what they will do? Say the demonic tutor. All of us have a demonic tutor that will want to whisper in our, you'll never make it. You're not good enough. You don't, you know, you're not pretty enough. Come on. You're not skinny enough. Come on now. Anybody on Facebook or social media nowadays? Come on. I want to tell you that we are to be, not, not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And how do we do that? By being in the word of God. That when we're in the Word of God, it trains us. It renews our mind to recognize when another voice is coming in and trying to distract us from what God has called us to. Trying to pull us away from the anointing of the Father in our life. Don't listen to critics, listen to Jesus, amen? Listen now in verse 6 through 12 and see if you can see some critics. Jesus is the anointed one. Let's see if you see some critics. We're just like filtering around on what's going down. They heard me preaching down there and they're like, man, I got to go hear that message. Hmm. See if you can recognize the voice of some critics. You got to understand, these critics aren't just critics. These are critics of the anointed one. These are critics of the Son of God. These are men that are religious, if you will. These are, these are people that are supposed to know the scriptures better than anybody. They're called scribes. What is that? Look, these are the ones that write. These are the ones that pen. These are the ones that come along and instruct. And they're there and they're listening to Jesus and his teaching, of course. Most times... Uh, the scribes and the Pharisees would, and, uh, would gather around and their whole intent was to see if they could, could, could they catch him, right? Can I catch him messing up? I mean, can I catch him in blasphemy? Why? Because we, we want to destroy what he's doing. Why? Disciples followed after him and they were leaving, come on now, they were leaving these teachers of the law. Why? Because they taught the law and they missed the spirit of it. And so it was death to the hearer. There was no life offered. But Jesus came on the scene and he came to offer life when he taught the scriptures. And so the result of them sitting there trying to catch him, they're critics toward him. And Jesus does something that they feel like they've caught him in. Hmm. But Jesus, what does he do? Jesus does what Jesus does. Watch this. And what does Jesus do? Only what he sees the Father doing. And how could he be wrong if all he ever did was what the Father was doing? Because last time I checked, the scriptures were always about the Father. Come on now. Ten Commandments. How many of you know the Ten Commandments? If you think of the Ten Commandments, let me just put them in two. And it's the two commands that Jesus gives us in the New Testament. The Ten Commandments, you'll find, fall into two categories. They fall in the category of loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And they fall in the category of loving your neighbor as yourself. That's really what all the law is about. Every rule that you read in the law is going to fall into this. God wants you to have a great relationship with him, and he wants you to have a great relationship with other people. But the only way that that is possible is to be under the anointing of Jesus Christ. To experience his salvation and to work out your salvation with fear, respect, and trembling unto him. Why? He's the judge. He's the only judge. Now we may judge matters in this earth, like is that good judgment or bad judgment? But I want you to know that no one holds the right to open the Lamb's book of life except for the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. And in the book of Revelation, it says that uh, they, they cry out, who is worthy to open the book, the book of life? 
And then it's the Lamb of God, right? He comes forth. Only Jesus opens the Lamb's book of life. But we're here to love on God, love on one another in such a way that will ensure that our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. In other words, that we need the anointing of other people around us to break the yoke and lift the burden, whatever it may be in our life. Can you say amen? God's given you gifts and anointings so that brothers and sisters in Christ and those that are lost and not yet born into the kingdom of God can be impacted through the anointing on your life that their life might be transformed and changed by the power of God as his spirit in you agrees with the word that all of a sudden it's not just logos it's not just something we're we're not beating them with a bible come on now hey you heard of bible thumpers right don't be a bible thumper right be knowledgeable of the word but be a a giver of the spirit of life amen here's what it says concerning the critics and some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts have you ever reasoned in your heart Concerning what someone else is saying? <laughs> Why does this man speak blasphemy, blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, go to your house immediately. He arose, took up the bed, and went out of the presence of them all. So that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Listen to this out of 2 Corinthians 1.20. For as many as are uh, the promises of God in Christ, they are all answered yes. So through him we say our amen to the glory of God. And that's the King James says that all the promises of God are yes and amen. There's not a promise that the scripture speaks of concerning your life that's not yes and amen. But no, it's the anointing that will cause those to manifest. We share a story that some time ago that I read how many of you ever heard of a guy by the name of R.W. Schambach? R.W. Schambach, anybody? A couple of you. Here's a guy who knew how to speak by the Spirit of God. Here's a guy that had an anointing that he would get up and, and, and you guys get, uh, you get a little weary once I start getting around 40 minutes. You know, you're like, man, wrap it up, Pastor. This guy would preach for three hours. Three hours. No, I'm not going to preach for three hours. But... What I'm telling you is, is he would preach and all of his staff would tell him, like, you need to wrap it up. You need to wrap it up. But the reality is, is he preached and then he began to share stories. What happened is faith, because of hearing the word and the spirit speaking to people in the room where they were living with what they needed to hear, like that paralytic and his friends breaking through, that sometimes we got to tear back things. They're just, you know, we, we don't have enough room. See, we've crowded, we've crowded that place you hear what I'm saying here? We got too much going on on the inside of us, on the inside of our mind and on the inside of our heart. Too much stuff. What happens is, is we can't get in the anointing because we got to clean things up. We got to clean the clutter out. We got to silence some of the voices that have been speaking to us because they get us to think the way the world thinks rather than the way the kingdom of God thinks. And all of a sudden, we start getting robbed by the critics, if you will. Our self-criticism and those around us and the way that the world speaks starts to become the critics of what Jesus is speaking over our life. And I'm going to give you an example because here's what happens. R.W. Shambach, they were actually flying back from a place in Russia. They were flying to Moscow from another place in Russia. Um, as they're flying, this is a really cool story. Now, he, uh, he was sitting in the front of the plane. His daughter was on the plane, and she was sitting, you know, more back in the middle. And then there was an interpreter that was sitting near her. And what happened was is the, the stewardesses are kind of up and down the, the aisle of the plane. And uh, what happens is, is uh, the interpreter says to her, 
they're saying that the plane's going to have to land, that we're not going to make it to Moscow. We've got to do an emergency landing because we have a headwind. So, so what happens is, is that uh, they didn't have enough fuel to get to Moscow, and so they're going to have to land and refuel and so on. And the stewardesses were really nervous because they, they were concerned that they even had enough fuel, I guess, to get to the place that they were going to be able to land before Moscow. And what happened, the interpreter was talking to one of the stewardess, and he was saying, you know, well, well, God will take care of us, and he's sharing the gospel with him. I don't believe that stuff, and she's pushing, I don't believe that. And, and so anyway, in the midst of this, he goes up to R.W. Schambach, sitting in the front, kind of resting, kind of like Jesus in the boat. You remember when the waves are crashing against the boat, and Jesus is fast asleep in the bow of the boat? And they're all like, wake up, we're going to perish, we're going to die, Right? And Jesus is kind of like, oh, you have little faith. And he stood up and rebuked the storm, and, right? You have little faith. Look, faith has a lot to do with walking in the anointing saints. So he goes up to the front, and he says to R.W. Schambach, wakes him up, says, hey, uh, they're saying we're not going to land in Moscow. They got a new emergency landing, and they're, you know, they're stressed out because, you know, it, it looks like it's going to be tight because we have this really bad headwind. And R.W. Shambach, he said, this is what he says. He goes, oh, well, that's simple enough. He said, Father, turn that headwind into a tailwind and get us to Moscow. And laid back down. A few minutes later, the captain comes over the radio or over the, the um, intercom. And he says, folks, we're going to be able to land in Moscow. As a matter of fact, I don't know what happened, but uh, that headwind we had turned into a tailwind. And it's, it's, it's uh, uh, so brisk that... Um, we're going to land early in Moscow. Now, see, I'm going to tell you what just happened in the room. Some of you went, I believe that. And others went, I don't know about that. Don't be your own critic. There's times where God will speak into your life and you'll start to, I just don't know if God can do that. Don't be a critic of what God, don't be a critic of the rhema when you've read the Logos. Don't let others be a critic of the rhema when you've read the Logos and you've heard that rhema. Don't let anybody push back what God speaks to you. Because oftentimes, I want to say this, there's a real simplicity to what God will speak into your life to see his best happen for you. Don't make it complex. Read his word. Pray over, pray over your children. Pray over your marriage. Pray over your finances pray over your work pray over your health pray over everything in your life and if God just gives you a simple word rest on that until it happens can you say amen I'll close with this um, build your faith learn to activate the anointing remember where your faith comes from Hebrews 12 2 tells us that Jesus initiates right make sure you listen to Jesus and glorify God in the midst of everything Listen to Jesus and glorify God. Watch this. It is Christ who you first drew, who first drew you to himself. And it is Christ who made a way for you to have faith. It is Christ who continually refines your faith. Always look to him. And soon you'll be operating in the anointing with signs and miracles following you as the Lord wills and activate the anointing activate the anointing in your life it's your choice Hebrews eleven six. but without faith it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him it's your choice every day it's your choice to, to diligently seek God through his word and through prayer inviting the Holy Spirit to come and I'm telling you that the anointing will begin to rise in your life. I finished with this final story. Our son Wade one time was hit by a concrete truck. I mean, you know, a concrete truck is pretty, pretty hefty. He was playing. He ran across the street. He's going to play to friends. I saw him get to his friend's house. Mom's car's in the parking lot or in her driveway. Uh, okay, he's good. I went back in the house. A couple minutes later, I hear this blood-curdling scream from him. I, I knew it was a kid. And, and, of course, for a parent, it's like, oh, my God, that's my son. 
I jumped out of my chair. I run to the door. I look. He's kind of, let me say, he's kind of wobbling up to the door. And I'm like, what happened? He goes, I got hit by that truck. Comes in the house, got this huge knot on the side of his head. Angie and I, at that time, we'd not been pastoring a church for too long. It had been struggling through a lot. And so we didn't have any medical insurance. So my first mind went to, oh, God, we're going bankrupt, you know. And then I thought, Lord, you, you got you to gotta do something. And I will never forget, as I'm looking at him, and you, here's what you're thinking. If my son's got a head, head injury, I need to get him to the hospital. Amen. But the first thing I'm going to do is pray because we got an issue. We have no insurance. I remember laying my hands on that boy as I felt the Lord prompt me, lay hands on him, pray for him. The truck driver had come to the door by the time we got to that moment. And uh, he was a uh, Hispanic guy. But I want to tell you, he was as white as I've ever seen a Hispanic guy be because he'd hit that, my son. And he's standing there like, oh my God, oh my God, you know. And I just lay hands on him, and I pray for him, and I watch that knot just drop back down. And the guy at the door like, I think he turned to even a greater shade of white when that happened, you know. Bonafide miracle, like it had never happened. And Wade just kind of like, can I go play? Never, never neglect to take the needs that you have to the Lord in your life. Because it's not my promise. I'll promise you. And the only reason I'll promise you is because he's already promised you. And I'm only repeating, repeating what God said to you is that all his promises are yes and amen. Stand to your feet with me if you would. Here's what I want to ask you to do. Right now where you're at, if you might have a spouse, you know, family member, kids, whatever it be, and you have a need in your life, what's that need? Would you take one another's hands? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I want to pray over you right now. Father, right now in Jesus' name. Lord, the Bible says that you know our needs before we ask. But Lord, somehow you still tell us to ask. I can only see that is the relationship, that interactive relationship, Lord, that you want us to know that you care. God, you want there to be communication from us to you. So, Father, right now, for your children, Lord God, Father, for my family, I pray in Jesus' name, these needs that they're lifting up, Lord God, in their mind and heart to you right now, God, would you meet them? God, would you deliver on that promise? Would you like that paralytic, Lord God, today? I pray that somehow we've broken through some things, Lord God, and that we've gotten into your presence so that you can look at each and every one of your children, Lord God, and say to them to give them a rhema from your logos, Lord God, over their life concerning their situation. And Lord, would you in Jesus' name right now do a miracle. Do a miracle, God, by your anointing and power in Jesus' mighty and his precious name. And all the saints in the house of the Lord this morning said, amen, amen. Hey, listen, be seated real quick. Uh, Zach, Brittany, would you and your family come up here? Can I ask for uh, Warren Kelly, Angie? Oh, man. Brad, Carrie, would you come up here? Um, Raleigh, Diane, would you mind coming up too and praying with us? Season Saints in the house. I want, would you mind standing right down here? Just that way we can gather around you a bit. Oh man, hallelujah. So in the scripture we're told, I want to read a couple scriptures to you on this, but we know that when Paul was called out, there was a point where um, he was sent out and, and the Bible says that they laid hands on them. They wept. You know, you know the church is meant to be a sending church, and so uh, everybody won't stay in the same location. They won't be in the same church, but they go out and they continue to carry on the work of the Lord. Right? How many believe that that uh, the Diamante family has an anointing on their life? Can you say Amen? 
And so we want to, to speak the words that the Bible tells us to speak over them. Deuteronomy 28 and 6 says, Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Isaiah 55, 12, For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. And then, of course, one of my favorite numbers, 6, 24 through 26, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we come into agreement. Would you stretch your hand, Saint? We come into agreement over the Demonte family. Lord, we bless them. We thank you for the season, Lord God, that we've had them as a part of Reach Church. We've got our family here and even in Largo, Florida. God, the investments that they've made into the lives of the members of the church and our community. God, I pray that the seeds that they planted will grow. I pray, God, when they come back to this house, uh, Father, sometime in the future, and, and Lord, as Zach comes back to, to preach sometime, hopefully, uh, Lord, out of that, that there would be joy for, for this house and for them, Lord God, seeing what you've done through the investment that they've made. Lord, that you've made through them into this church. Father, as they go, we speak blessings over them. God, that everything that they put their hand to, Lord, I pray that you would prosper. I pray for their children, Lord God, a hedge of protection around them, their health, Lord God. God, that they would, uh, Lord, rise and call Brittany blessed in the morning, Lord, even those school mornings where they don't want to get up. And Lord, with their father, that they would honor both their mother and father. Lord God, that it it's the first commandment with blessing that it may go well with them and that they would have long life on the earth. So, Father, we plead the blood of Christ over this family, and, Lord, we speak your blessings over this family. In Jesus' name, we are thankful for every moment we've had and every moment that we may have, Lord God, in the future. In Jesus' name, and everyone said? Amen. 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 Hey, God bless you. Have a great week. Listen, uh, there's some cupcakes in the back. Make sure that you hug with the uh, Diamante family. Uh, as they go. Some of you will be seeing them from time to time. You're all friends. But uh, there's some cupcakes for you to enjoy. A little bit of fellowship with them. Hey, saints, let's stand up and sing as we go, yeah?